0: Welcome to League One Fun, presented by the Beautiful Game Network and brought to you by Roughneck Scarves. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. I'm Ira Jersey,
1: and with me today, Jason. How dare you? Just because I'm gone a couple weeks, you don't wait for the Ira take it away? I'm so hurt. I'm so hurt. Already breaking traditions. I forgot. It's been
0: so long. I completely forgot.
1: Weston comes on. Elliot comes on. All of a sudden now we forget all of our traditions. Wow. I see how this is. (laughs)
0: I figured I'd give you the night off ease you into this
1: they treat me so much better overseas I can't (laughs) wait to can't wait to sign a deal to turn off season (laughs) so Jason you
0: had a very long trip you were uh I don't even know what they call it when you DJ these days because you you don't exactly scratch or whatever but it looked like you were having a great time just from your posts
1: it was it was absolutely fun it was uh no sleep um, horrible eating as far as on the go and whatever I could find but yeah it was absolutely fun um, got to do some football things too got to go to a Union Berlin game I uh, went to the world class where's it called the classic football kit shop in London uh, Funny part about that. Guess what? Guess what jersey I got while I was there. Uh, I'm gonna say a Tormenta jersey. That would be dope. But it was <laughs> a uh, it was a Las Vegas Lights jersey. So I thought it was <laughs> really funny that I got to go overseas to get a Las Vegas Lights jersey. But it was a uh, it's a lot cheaper than it is over here. So you gotta do what you gotta do.
0: That's fantastic. A lot of a uh, lot of stamps in your passport, or were you allowed to get out of England still? Yeah. Uh,
1: so. <laughs> I, it's, you know, in the the UK, they don't stamp your passport. It was, it's kind of disappointing. So, you know, like I go into the UK, they don't stamp it. And then I take a train to Wales, so I don't get a stamp there. And so I got one in uh, Berlin, but it's just like, yeah, I was I'm missing out on those stamps. But uh, I'll be going to Japan um, on the 10th. So I'll go get another stamp there. So we have you for two weeks, and then you're off again. Well, we'll see, because I might might try to do a show in Japan with you, because it is a 12-hour, 13-hour time difference, so your Wednesday night or Tuesday night is my Wednesday or Thursday morning, so we might make it work. We'll see what we can do.
0: We'll have to we'll have to do that. It'd be great if you could see the games. Yeah. So Jason, so we get to the news. Let's do it. OK, so first and, and maybe the most important news is that USL reached an agreement with ESPN and ESPN plus to, for ESPN to have the rights for three years until the end of the 2022 season for both USL and USL League USL championship and USL league one. Big news, Jason, is, you know, are you excited about this? Were you hoping for a different deal?
1: Absolutely. It's it's one of those things to where it's just like the one thing I, because I'm a nerd, I like going back and watching so whether because i missed it or because i want to go back and re-watch you know something that i have in my notes so this is the perfect platform uh now you know that disney's coming in and they're having a bundle package with hulu and their streaming services with star wars and all these other cool shows so yeah there's no excuse now it's just like everything i need is going to be in this package and so now the fact that usl is reaching agreement with championship in uh league one there's, there's nothing else I could ever want for. This is it. This is Christmas coming early. Actually, it's my birthday gift. My birthday's Monday. So this is oh. my birthday gift. <laughs> <laughs> happy, happy birthday, Jason.
0: <laughs> so... The one thing about this agreement is apparently ESPN is paying the league something. Apparently it's, oh, yeah. it's not a huge amount of money, but it's apparently in the low low seven figures. So maybe somewhere between two and four million is, is kind of the speculation. So it's a little bit of money for the for the teams. Maybe it'll be help them with doing something like putting in more cameras. One of the things we talked about while you were away was maybe if we could have two static cameras – Facing the penalty areas so you can see what's going on for some of the goals, even if there's, you know, they're not manned, like something like that would be great. And those aren't particularly expensive, certainly a lot less than the the money that the teams are likely to get from this uh, from this agreement. Yeah, no. All right. So a couple of other things. Uh, this past week, and and we can bring this up. I was thinking about bringing this up when we talked about the match, but just so we don't forget, is that Forward Madison did set the regular season attendance record with 4, 000, over four thousand six hundred people at their uh, game on a weeknight, mind you, their Wild. loss against Greenville. And, um, so and one of the one of the spectators was a celebrity. So it's just like <laughs> look look at look at Madison doing it big. <laughs> so the uh, yeah. So there was a uh, someone from the office there. Um, also another celebrity. Or at least a celebrity in ours but uh i believe ross devonport was there he who was. was one of your substitutes and uh, it looked like he had a great time at the at that match as well so someone hopefully that um that everyone remembers he's a good follow on twitter if you like usl
1: league one yeah, and i heard him talking about my chest and and my uh, my capes well well We'll see, Ross. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Um,
0: so uh, in in some rather sad news, it does look like the Rochester Rhinos will not be joining the league in 2020. Uh, on the Uncle Sam's podcast, they interviewed the—excuse uh, me, Uncle Sam's soccer podcast, uh, Rochester Rhinos president Pat Or Coley was was asked basically, you know, are you guys coming back? And they said that they're not ready yet. They don't have the stadium deal. They're looking for a stadium, I guess, in a better location. And they want to do it right as opposed to trying to do something half hearted. Um, Jason, a little disappointed. We thought that both both Penn FC and Rochester were going to be coming back next year as independent teams.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, that's a historic franchise. So having them in Richmond going at it would be fun. Having more teams in that area area where there's so much talent and they're, you know, having Toronto be able to have someone within their vicinity that they can have fun with and form a rivalry with, that would be cool. But, you know, I guess, I guess as the saying goes, good things come to those who wait and we're just going to have to wait another year and hopefully only one more year. So I don't know what you're doing, um, you know, in Rochester, but, but this is a team to invest in. I think this is a team that actually has a demand that has the history. Um, the Stadium was beautiful. I think it's just of in a bad location. um, Was what the fans were saying. So yeah, let's let's get on it. I need to see Rochester in this league. Uh,
0: a couple of other things going on. So the Greenville Triumph and the Richmond Kickers announced that there's going to be the first annual Bon uh, Is It core Cup. I, sure. I don't. I'm not 100 sure, but it's one of the sponsors. It's the healthcare sponsor for both of the clubs. They're sponsoring a cup. It's a kind of I don't know how how artificial it is, but it, they're trying to turn this into a rivalry. It's something like the Atlantic Cup between uh, or Cascadia Cup and Major League Soccer. Uh, so the two of them are—they're now, I think, one and one, if memory serves. So this next game on September seventh will decide who's going to lift this trophy. So this could be the first bit of silverware that uh, any team wins, yeah. although not exactly the uh, not exactly the creme de la creme that everyone wants. Of, right?
1: yeah, definitely a game though that uh, I mean Greenville, as much as they they want the hardware, they they want those three points because uh, they're in the thick of this playoff push and uh that's going to be a big big game for them well could uh, what could
0: be really interesting could be just as important to the kickers because they're still mathematically not out of it now they would need a lot of help to make it but you know they, they can only afford one more loss
1: by some of my calculations <laughs> yeah you you can go with the numbers and your your fancy science and math I, I think i got my decision made over here but i i <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and if Richmond, if it really is a a rivalry, and and I don't know if the fan bases see this as a rivalry, but if it is a rivalry, yeah, you know, something that the kickers could take comfort in is if they they were to beat Greenville at this next game and knock them out of the playoffs that's, potentially. That's right? what I'm,
1: yeah, that's what I'm getting at, and I think that's the motivation they can use, right? Like, even if they, even if it is, they have to go pretty much win every game from here on out and hope that certain teams lose. Uh, I think knocking a team out of the playoffs or if Greenville misses the playoffs by one point and they can look back at that game and say we should have won that, that uh, that should be enough of motivation for Richmond.
0: And speaking about Greenville, Omar Mohamed got his first call-up to the Somali national team. So he'll be headed over for World Cup qualifiers. So good for him. And also another USL League One player going to be playing in World Cup qualifiers. This one's not a surprise because this is actually his fourth call-up. But Dallas Jay uh, will be headed toward Guam. So he's going to be making that long flight out to Guam. He has one one home and one away match. Uh, They're playing the Philippines at home. And uh, I didn't write it down here, but I don't remember. But they do have another qualifier, I think, against the team that they actually have a shot against. The Philippines, I'm not so what? sure.
1: And he's going to miss a League One game, right? I think he's going to miss one, yes. Yes, yeah. that's,
0: that's right. Yeah, so that's that'll be the first game that he's actually missed. He's actually been between the pipes, uh, I believe, in every single match because he hasn't been on any yellow card suspension and has been injured. So, gotcha. um, so he's been there the whole time. Uh, on September 6th is a roster freeze date Jason we're getting up there we got one more week
1: for get signings him, get him in get him yeah. in while you
0: can so uh, so Chattanooga got someone on loan Timmy meal uh, played for NCFC I remember seeing him when they played the kickers in the US Open Cup so he's only played three times for NCFC he's a 23 year old um, he's uh, a, a midfielder um, I he didn't stand out to me like he. I didn't say, "Wow, that kid's really good." If memories, if as I recall from watching the uh, U.S. Open Cup match against um, against Richmond, but uh, you know, maybe just a little bit of depth signing here
1: for Chattanooga yeah, Red Wolves. I would I would say so.
0: Yeah, I mean, most teams. I'm surprised that some other teams haven't gotten more like Greenville just getting people on short-term loans for six or eight mm-hmm. weeks just till the end of the season just to you know be, this is the kind of signing that you'd think you'd be getting now and you'd be getting we'd be getting more of so maybe some of these are in the works they just haven't been uh yeah. haven't been announced.
1: it might be like uh signing day where we should see 10 signings on september 6th or the 5th and uh everybody's coming in hot <laughs> yeah that could be yeah i mean particularly for short-term loans right for six right. weeks
0: or whatever and and i would imagine that for some teams would not want to release players if they were like in the thick of making the playoffs in a playoff battle but if you're already you know know that you're in the playoffs and and this is not a player that is likely to play for you or you're way out of the playoffs and you know you maybe have some players who you know you'd like to get some minutes but you, you still uh, but basically, you want to get get them some minutes, but they're not going to play those minutes for you. Then you know, again, this is a, I think the perfect kind of uh, way to use loans if you're a championship team, for example.
1: Yep.
0: Uh, the Kickers also signed a former U.S. Youth National Team player, uh, Riley Kraft. That's Riley, R-Y-L-E-Y. Uh, he played for the Sac Republic Academy, played for OCB in 2017 when Scotty Thompson actually was at OCB, and then he played for uh, Oklahoma City Energy last season, uh, so they've signed him now. Um, I-, I believe that's a permanent signing. Um, it'll be really interesting. He's available for this weekend, apparently, so it'll okay. be it'll be really interesting to see uh, how he plays. He's a pretty technical player from the, the few videos that I've been able to see of him, uh, but it'll be interesting to see how he fits. Gets into uh, Coach Bulo's system.
1: Yep. Any other news that you have, Jason? Uh, I think Orlando signed somebody, but yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> yeah, or, Orlando, the <laughs> only team mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Yeah, matter. that one I will believe your fancy smancy science uh, about <laughs> they are done and done. <laughs> yeah, they haven't. They haven't won. I think in eight weeks now or seven weeks.
0: So yeah. it's a long time. Uh, yeah, not great. Yeah. Uh so last week uh we talked already about the South Georgia Tormento uh, Tormenta Tormento my goodness. <laughs> uh Tormenta versus Chattanooga Red Wolves uh they drew 1-1. Uh, we talked about that with Weston last week. So let's go with Char-
1: to- Char- Charlie Dennis Stan over here too in case you didn't know. He he he's been quietly killing it for the second half of the season and then was a standout in that game. Uh you know that goal was great. Um yeah just, yeah, just throwing it out there.
0: Yeah. So the cutback from the cutback from the end line and this the left footed finish was yep. was quite good. Yeah, for sure. Beautiful. So Thursday, the day after. So we've we've had you know, it's been actually nice to watch these games because they haven't all been like eight o'clock or seven o'clock on Saturday night. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they've been spaced out nicely. Unlike uh, West
1: Weston's rant about Toronto playing Fridays at four o'clock. Listen, <laughs> listen, bro. if you can't handle prime time in Toronto, I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> I actually don't mind it. That's the slowest time at work. So yeah, I have to watch the first half here exactly. the second half at home.
1: And he's an hour behind, right? So he can watch all of it at the end of work.
0: <laughs> so, Thursday, uh, Lansing, uh, which Weston's got to be happy about, Lansing won 4 to 1 over North Texas, who only scored one. Uh, there were goals in the eighth minute from Pado, in the 50th minute from Elma and four, uh, 69th again from Pado, 70th from Moshibane, and 86th, the Oscar. Romeo uh, gets a PK uh, consolation goal very late. Um, After the first goal, Jason, I didn't feel like North Texas really
1: had it in them to to push the ball.
0: They had the ball, but it wasn't with a purpose.
1: Listen, Lansing dominated, and I, I tweeted about it after. They made North Texas uncomfortable this whole game. And we have one of the questions about matchups for playoffs later. But if this is the USL Cup or League One Cup game... I don't know. I really like Lansing's matching up against North Texas. I think because of Lansing's physicality, I think because of their offensive speed, I think because of the way that they are in the face and they press and they don't allow North Texas to get those passes off to build up, I think they match up well. And you saw that even in the dual department, right? Especially the aerial dual department, Lansing won 65% of all aerial duels. And I think that Nate Miller had them go out there. They had a game plan. It was obvious. And when you go through the goals, I'll talk about it. But they were all over the place. And and they just went. They just smashed North Texas in the face, right? You look at Rafa. He was involved in 24 duels, which is wild. And then won 15 of them. And this is not someone who is a number six or you know a box-a-box box in the midfield. This is somebody that's out there on the wing. So for him to be coming in and being that aggressive and being that forward, like – Lansing obviously had a plan and it worked.
0: Is it worth going through every goal or do you want to talk about a specific one, which I think Let you me, want to talk about the fourth uh, one?
1: I want to talk about the fourth one uh, just because Rafa just straight up took Benila's lunch money uh, and then <laughs> had the easy setup for Tumi. Uh, but I actually, you know, what, what I want to talk about is that first goal. And it might not have been the impressive one, but it kind of shows what Lansing was doing. And if you watch that, that goal, you'll see for most of the game, Lansing just overloaded that right side. They had four – They had North Texas had to have four defenders on the right side because Lansing was overloading. And what that does is most of the time that leaves Rafa one-on-one, and you don't want to get on Rafa Island one-on-one because he's going to beat you, and that's where he's able to take you and get to those shots in the middle of the box – But when you watch that goal, I want you guys to watch Jada because what happens is Jada is in that overload. He's one of the four defenders, and Elma's making a run in the middle, so he has to start backtracking. Now, when you run backwards, you don't really know where your goalkeeper is. You're kind of focusing on Elma making that run in the middle, and I don't think he knows how close the goalkeeper is. That's when communication is key. So when that pass from Nick Moon comes in, I don't think he knows where the goalkeeper is. He lets the ball go, thinking the goalkeeper's near it. He isn't. And then Pato, who does this time after time, sees what's happening. He absolutely sees it and hits a second gear, makes a late a late run, and just scores. And that's what I'm saying. By like, I think uh, Lansing had a game plan and executed it extremely well. And you know, and of course, how did that how did that goal happen? It Starts with the long ball. You know, Stoneman switches it, long ball, and they've been doing that since the first game. And I remember talk, you know, highlighting Koifik for a goal against them in Richmond early in the season showcasing that. So like I said, I think Lansing came in and just had the better plan. We're more physical. We're faster with their passes. Uh, I think week after week, Gomez – and Serta are just dominating that midfield. And anytime that North Texas tried to build something up, they were there to stop it. And yeah, I, this is just a complete dominating uh, game from Lansing.
0: I, I think two things. Firstly, on that first goal, I think a, a big part of that has to be Avalas because he had to give direction to Jada, right? Yep. So, and he clearly didn't, he didn't say away, 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 right? So letting Jada know, clear the ball, right? So something else happened. I mean, it's hard to tell. It's not like we had uh it's, it's not like we had microphones right there to, to know what was going on in the, in the penalty area. But I would put that in, in at least some way. It looked really bad but for Jada, but I think Avalas has to take some of the, some of the blame here. And I agree with you that, Lansing, not only the physicality, but I think this is the one of the things that's happened throughout the year. Teams like TFC2, teams like Tucson, uh, teams like North Texas and Tormenta, they had a lot of chemistry. And the independent teams that were new... They've been building that chemistry all year. So teams like Lansing are pe- starting to peak now, and because they're peaking now, they're moving up the table, whereas North Texas has slipped a little bit. Clearly, they're still the the creme de la creme of the league, right? Uh, but but Tormenta, for example, and and Tucson and even TFC2, they've all been slipping a little bit, and I think that's really um, – that's really
1: a – uh, an impact of, of just building chemistry in the rest. Of the and play. listen, time after time, I will tell people I'm going to Vegas for a show next week. I put money on the teams that are streaking going upwards, going into the playoffs. I don't care where your ranking is. You look at even if you want to go to football, Eli going into beating the Patriots twice. It's because they were they were on a hot streak going into playoffs. I'll always take that. So I would watch out if you're playing Lansing. Uh, In the first round, because I think they're going to bulldoze whoever comes their way.
0: Uh, And just to just to talk about a couple of things for the trash stat in this one, Lansing had (laughs) only 41 percent possession. Uh, There were 13 shots to 20. And, you know, even though there were 20 shots by North Texas, not many of them were on target. Only four were on target. You know, uh, basically, Lansing did a really good job packing the box. They blocked a bunch of shots. And, uh, you know, made it really difficult for North Texas to do their normal, you know, possess, possess, get you know, open up space and then and then exploit that space. They just didn't exploit space. It was a great defensive. Yeah. E- I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you know, regardless of the goals, it was a defensive effort on the on the uh, on Lansing's part that really impressed me in this game more than even uh, even the four goals. And they do little
1: things right. So one thing, too, when you watch that Elma, uh, the N4 goal. I When you watch Elma, it's obviously a great individual effort, but watch what Toomey does off the ball when he runs. And I do think that off the ball, Toomey's one of the best players in the league. I think he does everything right. I think he's always in the right place at the right time. He created four chances in this game. Um, he very well could be a golden boot leader right now. He just doesn't seem to finish as well. <laughs> um, but watch his run because they're running side by side, and what he does Is he goes to the other side of N4 and kind of pretty much crosses, I think, either in front of him or behind. I think it's in front of him. Yeah, or right behind. Behind behind And And what that does is that defender has to then turn his shoulders so that he can mark both N4 and Toomey, right? He can be in the position to be in between them in case N4 is going to pass a through ball. And that gives N4 space. And as soon as N4 sees that space, he drifts to that right to take the shot and he scores. And that doesn't happen if Toomey stops his run or if Toomey decides to run left instead of hitting the right side. And that's about having that intelligence on that run and playing that game. And so props to Toomey for that. I thought that was a great run by him.
0: And that's the kind of chemistry too, right? Because yep. N4 knowing that that run's going to happen m- means that, okay, he's going to create some space for me and a little bit of separation or give me an option, right? Because if Moshe, is not, uh, uh, if Moshe is not covered at all, then that's an easy setup for, yep. for N4 to, to find a, another chance. So well, should we move on
1: Yeah, before, the Friday? I got to give you a weird stat before we move on, all right? Nick that's Moon, weird. two assists, two chances created, two tackles, Two interceptions, two clearances, two fouls won, two <laughs> two fouls conceded. Ira, guess how old he is? I'm gonna say twenty-two. He's actually twenty-three. I just wanted to set you up. Oh, okay. you're you're <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there you go. Well, happy birthday, just, uh, <laughs> happy
0: birthday, Nick, if you're listening. So.
1: But yeah, I just thought that was that was
0: funny to, to, <laughs> that, to see the twos well, across. Well the when board. the when the game occurred, he was twenty-two, right? right. So that's <laughs> no, no. That, that's a matter. All right. Friday at 4 o'clock, as is usual, uh, TFC 2 hosted Greenville Triumph. This game ended nil-nil. Uh, I watched it. I hate to say that it was not particularly memorable. Um, I mean, some nil-nil games are uh, it's good soccer. Well, we could talk about one of them later. But this one, it just – I don't know. It wasn't the normal kind of end-to-end action that you sometimes see in TFC games. Uh, you know, yeah. TFC, Patrasso did not have a good game peruza i i mean greenville i think really held uh jordan peruza really really well peruza was trying to make those runs but he was manned up all the time uh in the back so you know i think that was that was quite quite uh quite a feat by greenville to keep peruza because you know for i, I think peruza is one of the better strikers in the league for sure yeah. um Gomez and Keegan didn't have particularly good games. I mean both of them made some decent runs and had a a chance each basically but uh, you know they weren't great it just no. it was not a um it,
1: it was not one of the more memorable games i, I and I think Greenville kind of dominated this game. Um, Toronto had their chances, but Greenville was mostly on the attack this game. And I think Toronto knew that coming in Greenville was going to try to really push and get those points. So I think Toronto was playing a little more defensively. Um, like you were saying, uh, when I was gone, I think not having Schaffelberg like is, is big, right? It's like yeah, yeah. and even Endo and just having the midfield, like, you know, uh, at one point, I was watching. I was like, "Is Serbly playing?" And yes, I'm gonna call him Serbly, uh, that Canadian soccer dude, because that's <laughs> just that's just what I'm calling him. Um, yeah, because you just didn't see that that midfield quick, you know, counters or even build up that you saw from Toronto. But what you did see was the uh, Carlos Gomez show, because yep. he he was the one player that really stood out this game. He had six chances created. Um, six successful crosses, seventy-seven percent passing accuracy in the opponent's half. Um, I think that he, if you know, he was the one that was creating those chances. It was just that Greenville couldn't finish them, and that's going to be a problem. You know, with these last couple games, they rely a lot on Keegan. And, you know, we we gave credit to Greenville for shutting down Perusa. Let's give credit to Toronto for shutting down Keegan. Because if you watch that, he was being followed all game. He only had two shots. None were on goal. And he only won one of his five duels and lost all three of his aerial duels. So they were on him like white on rice. And that was a big factor in Greenville not being able to pick up more than one point. I think Keegan it- –
0: did get a little frustrated because at times he was drifting a little bit. Right. Yeah. So if they were, you know, in their kind of four, two, three, one ish formation that, that they play, he usually stays a, a bit more central, but then he was trying to create. And, and he actually did create some of the space for Gomez to exploit at least, uh, in, in the two good chances that they had. So a couple of stats that are worthwhile. I, I won't give you the, the trash stat, but, um, <laughs> Greenville connected on, on 10 of their 18 attempts at crosses, uh, that compares to 13 and two for, uh, for TFC two, TFC two had no shots on target. Whereas Greenville at least had three of those. So, yeah. um, so, so like, if nothing else, you know, the Greenville, I, I agree with you, Greenville felt a little more dangerous, but for large portions of this game, they just didn't, they were just flat. Like even yeah. Gomez, he created those, those chances, but it wasn't, it wasn't constant and consistent, at least not, not from my, and mind. it
1: was, and it was cross after cross after cross. And, you know, Greenville does that at times. And it's just, in, in my opinion, you have to you have to pull the court if you know, if it's not working. If you're in the final twenty minutes, you've crossed the ball fifteen times already and you're not connecting and your best header has to drift wide because of the way they're defending him, then you have to do something else, right? You have to play through the middle, you have to take some long shots, maybe try to get some rebounds. It just wasn't working out. Um, and you know, even though we'll talk about their game against Ford, um, you know, it's 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 gonna be really tough. For Greenville, like if they get in the playoffs, it's because they want they win the next four their games one zero. But then they might miss the playoffs because they also tied the next other four games zero zero. You know, it's too close to be having draws now. Or or they could miss out on goal differential. I mean, yeah. they have
0: uh, of the teams that are in the mix. I believe, if memory serves, they have one of the worst goal differentials. So, um, I, I I'll have to double check that, but I'm I'm pretty yeah, sure I'm I, right about that.
1: Yeah, they I I think they're like. I think they're like their goal differential is like 7 because they they have they haven't scored a lot of goals but they also don't allow a lot of goals so I don't think it's too too bad but when it comes to if Ford is up there, you know, Tucson, they're right there. So, it, you know, if they sit here and they don't score any goals for the next couple of weeks, then they could very well lose out on that goal differential.
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay, uh, let's see. So Greenville Triumph have a – they do have a positive seven goal differential. That's right. But the same as Lansing. How, how and, dare you question the standard
1: master? How dare forward,
0: you? <laughs> forward has, forward has four.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it was actually Chattanooga I was thinking about that actually has a negative goal differential. And yeah. they're –
1: they yeah, That's because Yeah They really win their games 1-0 Or they lose 0-3 So that's yeah, yeah Exactly <laughs> Yeah
0: That that 4-0 uh, That 4-0 loss To uh, Tucson Earlier in the season Is going to Come back yeah. to haunt them so Saturday, the first game that I have listed here was forward Madison, who beat the Richmond Kickers 1-0 over in uh, in Madison to that hopping crowd of over 4,600 people. Uh, no, excuse me. The 4,600 was this week. That's right. We had two games. This was a, this was a, a two-game weekend for most of the teams. Um, uh, Christian Diaz scored in the 74th minute this broke richmond's four game unbeaten streak you know richmond kind of got on a run there everyone was thinking you know they get a couple of results even if this was a draw they'd be talking about having a couple of home games now for the next couple of weeks and maybe be able to uh to squeak into the playoffs as a fourth seed uh those chances haven't completely gone away mathematically but like we were saying earlier jason it seems pretty unlikely um but this was maybe the
1: for me one of the most entertaining games of the weekend don't you think Oh, for sure. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I thought Ford uh, played wonderfully, um, especially in that second half. I think Richmond was very active in the first half. Um, you see Joe Gallardo came out firing, uh, almost scored immediately. Um, but yeah, I think Richmond in the second half just kind of I don't know if they were playing more defensive and was trying to absorb the pressure, but it was just it it. It's almost like they changed, and they even changed their formation. I think they've been playing like three in the back during those four unbeaten games, and then they put four in the back, and sometimes they have five in the back. And I was kind of curious as to why they would make that change. And, um, they, you know, when you look at their second half, so they had five key passes all game, and four of them came in the first half. They only had one key pass in the, in the second half, and that was from Joe. And I think what happened, too, was Joe was doing Joe Joe obviously, if not the most talented individual on in the field, one of he he does everything right and then he gets to the final third and it's almost like he just shoots it because he doesn't know what else to do. And I don't know if it's because of the lack of team chemistry and nobody's making the run that they expect them to, or he just feels the pressure to try to do it all. But I think that was a lot of the issue. And when you do that against Ford, it's not good because Eric Leonard is going to clean that ball up and then send it down to the side and, that's exactly what Manley and Jiro did. They just dominated those sides and were so far up all game. And so, yeah, I don't, I, I can't really put my finger on what's going on with Richmond's offense. But when I saw that, that's what stood out as being kind of off to me. Well,
0: it's interesting because earlier in the season, I feel like this was the Richmond from June, right, where they had that you know four-game losing streak and they really you know looked bad. They, they that they almost look that way again, and instead of coming in with the confidence and like the hey, let's just do our best and go out there and have fun, and like I feel like during the winning streak the last month. They really were were looking like they were having a good time, and and like I agree with you, I think Joe Gallardo just said I have to take this on my shoulders, and you know maybe that's something that they said. Look, look, you guys have to take things on your shoulders, and maybe you took that a little too literally instead of <laughs> you know making that great run, having two two defenders in front of them, and then all of a sudden you had um, uh, who was playing striker? It, it was uh, Paulo Junior. It was no, no, no for oh, oh, for Richard. Uh, Jackson probably right it, it was uh, was it Jackson who started yeah maybe it was Jackson yeah. but Jackson was in between the uh, the the center back and, and the left uh, and the left back for forward so Gallardo had to pass on during you know mm-hmm. it, in that that play you're talking about like in the second minute um so he had other options he just didn't didn't use them he just you know was trying to you know try to be the hero or something maybe so yeah. um so that's something that that Richmond you know over the next year will have to think about and and you know coach Bula will have to try and figure out how he's gonna make sure that there's a more cohesive attack right um yeah. because I mean you know getting scored on you know a goal a game is is not insurmountable but you have to be able to score too if that happens in order to Make it so yeah. the goal goal like I said came in the 74th minute. Christian Diaz um, uh, scored it from from Paulo Junior. Uh, d- what happened here was uh, J.C. Banks got the ball at the top of the D. He made a nice little uh, I want to call it. It wasn't quite a half turn. It was more like a one third turn, and one third turn puts the ball through to uh, Paulo Junior, who's making a run from the top of the 18 into uh, into the far post. Um, Paulo Junior does a really interesting thing here. Like like when you talk about about the skill that players in USL League One have, it's high. I mean, it's, it's, and, and Paulo Jr. in this situation just proves that. He takes the ball with the outside of his left foot, kind of chips it over, um, over Akira Fitzgerald's leg, and then it finds the on uh, Diaz. I mean, Diaz didn't have to do anything except touch the ball, and it was going to be a goal. Paulo Jr. did all the work,
1: um, but it was yeah. super impressive. And you want to talk about, uh, impressive. So when JC Banks got the ball, he got that ball because Diaz got it in between two defenders and he has nowhere to go in between. He's literally in the middle. They've got they've cut off both his left and right side. So he flicks it one touch and it goes probably what 10-15 yards perfectly To J.C. Banks and Diaz just continues that run the whole time because he had already split the defenders. And I just thought that was an amazing run. And you'll see Troyer is trying to catch up with Diaz. It's not happening. But then once he gets into the box, he sees Shinovsky and he goes, okay cool. I'm going to leave off um, Diaz for Shinovsky. But Paulo Jr., the reason why he does that flick is because he sees that Shinovsky isn't called up to Diaz yet, right? So, it's behind him. yeah, so Troyer left him a little too early, and Paulo does that quick flick because he goes, okay, Diaz has the space, and he gets it to him, and I just think that was a beautiful uh, flick from both Diaz and uh, uh, Paolo Jr.
0: Yeah, it was a very impressive goal, and there were some shouts for offside, but no one was offside, no, because Paolo Jr., not. Diaz was definitely behind Paolo Jr. when Paulo Jr. flicked it, and Palo jr was outside the 18 and there were two kickers on the 18 when uh when, when JC banks got the ball over um, through to Palo jr so you know props to Madison uh you know they, they got the the goal that they needed late in the game I mean Richmond could have been up one or two nothing in the first half and you know they they didn't you know, they didn't put it away. And because of that, you know, they, uh, Madison then did a good job bunkering really, because actually Richmond at the end of the game could have tied it up. They had, they had a number of chances. Um, Akira Fitzgerald, um, Uh, had you know came up big a few times for sure but richmond needs to be more clinical and that's what it comes down to i mean and and that's that's something we could say the same thing about greenville right like that's that's greenville's issue as well right is that both of them uh just need a uh, need strikers to score and and to get the ball in the back of the net when they have those
1: opportunities and i i wouldn't even say i mean it's like for instance you know jackson richmond has been winning And he's been scoring. That's it's a direct correlation, right? He had one shot this whole game. You have to get him the ball. And so I think that's the issue, right? With Greenville, yeah, it's the same thing too, to kind of where, yeah, Jake Keegan is getting shadowed and getting pushed to the side, then what? So what happens? So you have to change it up tactic wise, or yeah, you bring in somebody else, a winger who can also score, or you know, because you can't keep depending on Joe to make these runs and you know he has that pressure he feels like he has to do everything for a reason and that's because he probably feels like he's the best finisher and if Jackson is not you know is being boxed out or being shadowed he has feels like he has to take it himself.
0: Yeah, I don't know if Dennis Chin might have done a little bit better in this game to try and get in behind some of the forward defenders because not that forward plays a particularly high line, but at the yeah, same yeah. time, I think if you had a little bit more pace, because Jackson, I think Jackson is more physical, whereas Chin is a little bit quicker. So, yep. uh, at least that's my impression. And, so and Chin, and
1: Chin came in, I think the 60th minute. Yeah, but, but by then Ford was just dominating possession, and they had already kind of you know hit their style, and Dennis Chin didn't even put up. A shot. I don't know. He had I think um he's seven passes the whole you know within those 40 minutes he was in. Um and that was it. They were just short passes, you know, didn't win any aerial duels. So, yeah, I think by that time Ford was really in their form and just weren't going to let up until they got a goal. Yeah.
0: Anything else on this match, Jason?
1: Yeah, I wanted to comment first and foremost, uh your boy Eric Leonard. Listen, he's a beast. He <laughs> You know, we I was talking about 24 duels earlier. He had 25 and won 16 of them, including seven of the nine aerial duels. Um, and if it's not for Eric Leonard, Ford can't play the way they're playing. You look at uh, Diaz and Manley, they don't have the luxury of being so high if Ford is not so comfortable knowing that Eric's going to be back there making those interceptions and tackles and really sparking uh, that um, counterattack. So props, props to Eric because he's he's been killing it. And I also I like the formation that Ford have. Obviously they you know they've had their Loney striker come in and he's been playing well, but I uh, I it's like Oliver,
0: the, Oliver White.
1: Yeah, it? and he didn't yeah. play this game, but I like that Paulo Jr. playing in that striker position. What it allowed for Don Smart to do was Don Smart lined up. I think actually Don Smart lined up at the top. Like, he was, I think, lined up as a striker position. But when you look at his average position, he's on the right side more, and he keeps coming back to the ball and was kind of being the facilitator. And I really liked that, and I thought he did extremely well. And because of that, he switches the ball well. And Ford switches the ball a lot, especially to get Pato and um, Manley up higher. And so it allows for him to do that and then it allows for the late runs. So right before that Ford goal, a minute before that, there was a late run from Smart and he almost you know ripped one from outside of the box and it was just a great save. Um, so I do like that formation and maybe it has to do with okay, you pick and choose when you do that for teams. but I think it's just really cool that Ford have you know three, four players that they can kind of line up in different positions and it doesn't matter where you line them up because as the games goes on they kind of just move into their own little spot and facilitate and you can see that with giro in this game like giro started in the back and then was the highest position player in the field by the end he just stayed up on that high and he started he switched whole sides he started in the back right and then was all the way up in the high left so yeah i like that forward have players that feel comfortable and can do that
0: yeah, the, that type of uh, versatility in players, obviously, is something that, uh, that that forward will need to use more, particularly if they're going to try and make a run for the playoffs because they're still on the fringes looking out, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes, even after this win. But, uh, yeah, they certainly did themselves a favor by making sure that they save serve at home. Yep. Uh, moving out to the late game, which I did not watch live. I watched on Sunday morning. Uh, but it was FC Tucson 3 versus... Orlando City B1, never really a doubt uh, after the second goal, after the first half, uh, Delgado scored in the 36th minute, we can talk a little bit about that, it's not, it's, the, the second goal is the goal that broke the camel's back, really, I mean, Jordan Jones scored in the 43rd minute, so I'd like to talk about that goal in the 43rd minute, Jordan Jones scores because Chade has the ball at his feet from a back pass and just doesn't clear it quickly. Instead of passing it, he takes another touch. And by then, Jordan Jones, who's not small and also not slow, <laughs> is so, right on top of him and yeah. steals the ball. And then Jones is able to turn around. He does get pressured. He actually got probably fouled and probably would have been a penalty had he not scored. Gets up and then scores a goal into an open net. As a goalkeeper, what are you thinking in that situation? Do you think no one just hold a man on? I mean— I, I don't understand how he didn't mm. just
1: poke the ball. Even if poking the ball <laughs> off for a corner is a better choice than, you know, yeah. what he did. No, yeah, I think I think honestly what it was was keepers. Uh, like they tried to have. I think what he wanted to do was just have a small touch to bring Jordan Jones in to allow that pass right back to the defender who had given it to him, but instead he took a really heavy touch. And at that point, because he was so far outside of the goal and because Jordan Jones is such a big guy, and yeah, he bounced off like three people to stay up and shoot that goal. Um, I think that's all it was. I think Chade just had a bad first touch. I think he wanted to bring Jones in so this way he can give it back to the defender and the defender has space and it allows for a setup of other players. But yeah, it it wasn't a good look for Chade at all.
0: Yes, yeah, so I, I still don't understand. I mean, even though he took a heavy touch, Chade still was able to take two more touches, so he could have just kicked it out for a throw-in. Yeah. I
1: mean,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that that was, but but that was really the goal that that broke the camel's back. I mean, there was no. No doubt. Listen,
1: about it. I, mean, I, I love I love the the first and third goal for Tucson because I think that's when Tucson's at its best. I think like those goals. Counters, if you ask yeah. me if you ask me, you know, how does Tucson play? You just point to those two goals and you're like, yeah, this is it right here. This is their bread and butter. This is this is that's exciting. That's one, in my opinion. Even though it happens so fast and it's it's not you know it's not a lot of you know one on ones like step overs and all that. It's just. Great counter, fast passing soccer, and I love it. It's very much like actually how
0: when TFC two is really on their game, mm-hmm. the, I feel like Tucson and TFC two look very similar on that counter. It's it's always you know one two passes, and not all of them are forward either. Okay. Some of them are backward, just you know to to a, a player in a good position to see the whole field and then find that open player making a run either uh, you know down one of the channels, whether it's in the center or right or left. And uh, so so you want to talk through the third goal a little bit that this was uh, in the 69th minute. Eric Vergen uh, got a uh, got a nice. Um, a nice cross from Jordan Jones, who did actually beat someone one-on-one in this. Part, right. But, yeah. but it starts
1: from the middle and that's, that's right. what happened in the first goal too. So the first goal was, uh, wheeler Aminu steals it right in the middle. And I think he's going to be a very important player for them in the next couple games. Cause this is what he's going to have to do. He's going to have to be that facilitator in the middle on defense to kind of get in there, steal the ball and spring those counters, but it only he steals it two passes later it's in the back of the net in seven seconds and it's just it's that simple right you steal it you spring the counter you hit i think it was uh i don't i can't remember who was on the wing for the first goal but somebody's on the wing one-on-one crosses it in it's a goal yeah and it's it essentially w- the same thing with the third goal no it was it was the fastest man in the league oh okay it was Devin yeah. <laughs> okay so there you go yeah, yeah Jamga, he, so, he's actually, yeah, so he's he was on, on the wing, left wing yeah yep, it's it's over um, and then they also, for the third goal, I don't know for sure, but I think it was um, Waylon who stole that ball and then sprung the counterattack. And I don't know. So I don't know if you guys talked about it last week. I can't remember. But he's a lone-y, um from Phoenix Rising and him and Ventnor uh, in the back. That's 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 scary. You get him and Venter in the back. That might be. That's a duo I don't want to see. And then, because of his comfortability of moving, going forward so much, he intercepted that ball almost midfield, and that's how they're able to spring that counter. So, uh, that was an important play from him, and he he played very well the whole game.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if he stayed down actually with FC Tucson for the rest of the season because. Uh, because Phoenix Rising is clearly going to win the Western Conference in USL in the USL Championship, so and their playoffs start after after the USL League One playoffs start. So I think that there's they can. I don't know exactly how the roster rules work, but I suspect that he might actually be with. Uh, with FC Tucson for the rest I'm, of the season. I'm Wayland. sure
1: there's a. I'm sure there's a clause in his contract though. He can't miss dollar beer nights. I think that that's <laughs> that's, the, what, that's it, what it is. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what it is. He can still play for Tucson, <laughs> just not on Fridays, especially when it's dollar beer nights. That's not happening.
0: Fair enough. All right. Uh, anything else on this match, Jason?
1: No, nah, I just, uh, like I said, I think uh, I really love what Tucson was doing, and I think that Wirral Amarnu is going to be an extremely important player. Um, also, you know, this game could have been different. Orlando kind of came out firing, and Tablante was just attacking people early and had, like, yeah. two shots on goal in the first five minutes. So it's just one of those things to where if you're an Orlando fan – I think there's hope for next year It's I don't think you guys lack the talent. It's just that maybe now with a new coach, you'll have players that actually get consistent playing time. You can get that chemistry and you just got to do something about the back line.
0: Yeah. Luke, Luke Granator was back in there playing on the right wing and uh, he did get the assist for OCB's lone goal. Um, you know, he he's a player that that early on in the season we thought, hey, maybe this guy is going to be in the same conversation of young striker in mm-hmm. the Pepe Damus, um, you know, Jordan Jones even and uh, and Jordan Peruza. Like we we thought maybe he would be in that in that conversation, but I don't think he's been used. properly. You gotta,
1: yeah, you gotta play so. to be in that conversation. Yeah, yeah exactly. And you know, and and maybe
0: he's just you know, we we don't know what's going on in locker room, right? So I mean, we still have the same issue with OCB we get no information from them at say, all we
1: don't know what's going on with them at all because nobody wants to uh send us information yeah, it's, but... and it's not for lack of trying
0: so anyone at ocb please reach out jason and i our dms are open
1: you know gooch, <laughs> gooch come hey. on bro come on bro <laughs> just send me just send me an email yeah. let's let's sit down let's figure out what's going on in, in orlando Besides besides trash backlines yeah I, back know, lines. I know
0: I know you might not trust Jason because he supports Atlanta <laughs> United but you know you can trust me I'm well maybe not uh, <laughs> given who I support in MLS but but we would love love more information so so this past Tuesday we started week 23 with North Texas the biggest win in USL League one history five nil over former second place team south georgia tormenta it was a route i mean there's no other way to describe it i mean a couple of the goals were very late but south georgia just did not look comfortable in this game at all jason
1: yeah i uh only watched the highlights i couldn't i couldn't take it upon myself to watch the whole game it's like when someone says hey did you see that bad car accident on eighty five? And you go no, and they're like, why well, the video? Do you want to watch it? No, I don't want. To. Why would I want to watch it? That's terrible. Um, but yeah, I think I, you're I, looking at the highlights. It just seemed like Tormenta weren't playing like themselves, and they're definitely in a rut. Um, I think injuries are a big part of that, and I do think that a lot of the guys from League Two that they've called up. Um, you know, whether it's a lack of chemistry with the first team or whether they've just kind of hit that wall and they need more time and experience. Um, yeah, it's it just hasn't been a good last 10 games for Tormenta. And uh, thankfully, they have a chance to turn it around this weekend against a team uh, that they have beat and played before. But I just uh, it's it's tough. They They're going to have to change and change quick.
0: So I was uh, watching two games at once because this game was happening concurrently with the US Open Cup final where is which is the reason why Jason was not watching this game because he Woo! was there. <laughs> so Jason is a very happy man I'm sure along with the 60,000 other people who were down at the, the US Open Cup final. Um, I so I did watch most of this game and you know what was North Texas did the North Texas things I think what happened in in my opinion is south georgia didn't do south georgia things right is Basically, the defense in South Georgia, usually they're like a brick wall in the back. And then, you know, they, they use, often spring in the counter. They use, you know, Conor Antley's speed. And and they're able to get the ball down the flanks very quickly. Um, but in this game, it, for whatever reason, South Georgia let the let North Texas have the ball in the middle. And if North Texas has the ball in the middle in the attacking half, not gonna bad win. things are going to happen to You're you. you are not going to win. <laughs> <laughs> right. What's because if, if Arturo Rodriguez has the ball on his feet... Um, he's going to find that pass, full stop. So you have to close down Otoro Rodriguez. And the first goal is case in point, right? So the first goal, um, it was just, you know, basically North Texas was just passing the ball around leisurely. But Otoro Rodriguez gets it. He sees Brian Reynolds making a run in between the uh, the left back and the left center back, and uh, you know, basically, what what the guys at the Total Soccer Show would call a direct overball goes right to Rodriguez uh, from Rodriguez's foot, right to Reynolds' foot um, in two touches. And at that point, Reynolds doesn't do that great of a job actually taking it down. But um, but but basically, you know, he Hara comes out. And Reynolds, Reynolds has just enough time to hit it with his left foot, and it dribbles. It's almost like it's almost embarrassingly slow, like dribble into the into the goal. Um, but it, but this goal was created just because of the vision of Arturo Rodriguez. There's yeah. no I mean, and, and remember that one pass cut out about five uh, about five South Georgia defenders.
1: Listen, y'all keep sleeping on Arturo. Uh, shout out to Dallas's blog, Third Degree. And they're naming all the people that they think are MLS caliber players on a uh on um, North Texas, and saying, you know, like some of them were MLS players, but then also naming people they think will make the jump. I think Arturo Rodriguez is out of here next year. I think he's just incredible on both sides of the ball, leads the league in uh, overall duels. He's had 343 duels going into that game, uh, 69 tackles, just a, a ridiculous amount of defensive and offensive work. And yeah, like you were saying, I think the part of that too is Tormenta played five in the back and i just didn't understand why you would leave so much space in the middle for it's not parking the bus against north texas isn't going to work because north texas will take that space and make you pay for it
0: oh, you almost need to play like a 4231 you need yeah. two holding midfielders yeah. basically that, in order which to, is yeah. oh
1: and and look what that happens when lansing does that and yeah. it's, it's like yeah like you can't you have to play in the midfield you have to be aggressive i would like to see you know, like Skelton and and Ant- Antley. Antley did go up for a bit, but like to have Gomez and Charlie Dennis and them go and crowd that midfield. You know, like make it tough for them. And like I said, I think injury bugs does hurt, right? You know, usually you would have Vinales in that middle. Usually, you know, Coutinho would Coutinho, be up to come yeah, back. Yeah. You'd have. Uh, you can even bring in an Eckenrode, who's also worker
0: Well, it, it, you bring up a good point because I think if Coutinho's in there, one of the things that South Georgia might. have been able to do was actually possess the ball a little bit better in the middle because that's really something that Coutinho does very well you know South Georgia doesn't like having the ball a lot but but when they do it's got you know Coutinho is one of the people that that make that happen as kind of their call it a 10 a 10 or an 8.
1: And Vinales is very underrated because he's good at going box to box and kind of you know, securing that middle and not allowing counters or not allowing buildups to happen, but then also being someone who can kind of help build up for the offensive side on his team. So, yeah, like I said, it's unfortunate with injuries, but I just don't think you should should give – North Texas that much of the middle no matter even if you're fully healthy, right? Like yeah. I don't I would never play five in the back against North Texas It's just because
0: actually yeah, because actually the second goal was was very similar the second goal the build up was all in the middle of the field It was all North Texas, you know, basically attacking uh, through the middle um, the, the the ball actually went out for a corner because it was a a pass to Ricardo Pepe um, th- a through ball in the six and Pepe just could not get the ball out from under his feet and yeah. it went out for, and it went out for a corner. Um, but he really should have scored there, but it didn't matter mm-hmm. because on the ensuing corner kick, um, you know, Richard Danso cleaned up a, uh, uh, cleaned up a, a, a save that was, that was made, got the rebound and, and tapped it in. Um, I, I don't remember, I don't know why I didn't write this down. I don't remember who got the header, but it, it doesn't really matter because it was, you know, great service again for Matoa uh,
1: uh,
0: Um For Uh yeah, for Donzo's goal. Yeah. Yeah. Um but he 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 didn't get the initial header. But anyway, regardless. Uh Ricardo Pepe did score a couple here, so he's back in the golden boot hunt. Um he scored two penalties. So he was a penalty taker. Neither was particularly good.
1: He just had the keeper going the wrong way. He didn't play the best game from from what I saw, but uh, and I know uh he missed a couple good chances, but it's good for him to get those PKs for his confidence. Had he had missed those on top of him not finishing chances he should have finished, then you start to worry when your star striker's not as confident. But for them to go out there, him to get some, two goals, him to be back in the golden boot lead, you know, I think that was big for North Texas overall.
0: Um, you know, Stats-wise, North Texas had 10 shots on target and South Georgia Tormenta only four. Um, you know, we won't, don't have to talk about crosses, but North Texas, actually, just to show you how how much maybe they do miss Lucas Coutinho, North Texas had zero clearances this game. That's zero. wild.
1: That's wild.
0: <laughs> I mean, it wasn't even, you know, the keeper just clearing it away. Yeah. So. Right, so Pepe had two goals on PKs and um and there was another goal in the 82nd minute by uh by Rayo he got a assist from Brian Reynolds so Ryan Reynolds gets a goal and an assist in this match you know not a lot of uh not a lot of shots for South Georgia um in fact they only had uh they only had uh, six shots total four on target what does Tormenta have to do to stop leaking goals because you know one of their they've always been pretty good at certainly not letting a lot of goals in, but you know they were, were able to also at least score as many as they they, uh, they let in early in the season getting making you know losses into draws. but now they've just been leaking goals. what do they need to do to, to stop that?
1: Yeah, I, like I said, I, I'm not a fan of five in the back. Um, I think that if anything, and it might be an injury thing, but I would like to see Ricardo Gomez, Mikey Rowe, Charlie Dennis really clogging up that middle um, and really not allowing, you know, Tormentas at its best when it's countering, and you can't counterattack when you're trying to absorb the offense, you know, you can, or you could counter, but it's going to be from 20 yards in front of your own goal as opposed to midfield where they're at their best. And so um, win the ball in the middle, allow Charlie Dennis to have his back to goal and kind of facilitate that. Um, counter-attack, allow Alex Morrell spacing so that he can score. Um, yeah, I, I would I would get out of that five in the back. I would go back to what they were doing, three or four, and really focusing on trying to disrupt the middle. Fair enough. Anything else on this match? Uh, it, I don't like watching car accidents. It's weird. I don't know <laughs> why people enjoy that.
0: All right. Uh, on Wednesday, so this was last night. We're now recording on Thursday night. Uh, we had Forward Madison lost to Greenville at home. In front of Stanley from
1: the office. How dare y'all? How dare (laughs) y'all?
0: So this was the match that had over 4,600 people, the highest uh, regular season game on a Wednesday night. Uh, It was Madison's second game in four days, Greenville's second game in five days. But Greenville had to travel, so I don't want the excuse that... Uh, Mm -hmm. Greenville had an extra day's rest uh, but the uh, the sole goal came in the 41st minute where uh, Chris Bermudez uh, scored from an Aaron Walker uh, assist this started with a quick throw in from the left side of the Mm -hmm. field where Walker just gets the ball does a half turn sees Bermudez making a run and and. Gets gets the ball to Bermudez. Now, what was interesting to me was that the ball was actually a little bit behind Bermudez, and Bermudez does a really good job taking the ball on his left foot. How many times, Jason, do you think he touched the ball without looking at the show notes? How many times do you think Bermudez touched the ball before he shot? Because mm. I actually rewatched this about ten times to make One, sure I was counting correctly. Two
1: three. Let's say five. No, say six.
0: Okay. That was a little bit too many. It was four. Yeah. Okay. So, so four times all with the out, outside of his foot and then he shoots with yeah. the same foot. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what were the Madison players doing except for standing there? I mean, they basically made a wall. They were, there were three players within two yards of, of him. And I th- I think all of the Madison players thought he was fainting to the left and he was just going to cut back to the right. So they were all just waiting for that cutback. Yeah. Never comes. Hits a pinpoint. If it was on the other side, it would have said it was a postage, postage stamp shot. But it was it was uh, on the on the return address side of the of the goal. But it was you know upper ninety. Uh, couldn't have been a better curling shot, quite frankly. Um, and you know, so I, I give a lot of credit to Bermudez. But you know, Walker, you know, playing quickly and finding Bermudez was uh, what was nice as well. Um, the rest of this game, you know, Madison had only two shots on target the whole game, and both of them came in the 44th minute. So right after the goal was scored, they were pressing, they were trying to get that goal before halftime. But there were only two shots on target came in the same sequence in the 44th. Dallas J made a good save, then there was a rebound, and that rebound shot was blocked. I, I didn't really see who, uh, couldn't tell really uh, which one of the two or three players who were on the line for Greenville were there. But other than that... I, Madison didn't really look dangerous the rest of this game. Do, do you have any idea what they were doing? They had the ball. They had the ball 61% of the time. Of course, that's a trash that. but
1: um, they, uh, they didn't have Paulo Jr. Right. And I think that with them, it's not so, like... Do you think
0: that was managing minutes?
1: I, uh, yeah, I, unless... Is I don't he, think I don't he was think suspended. He, he, I don't
0: think he was not... There were no suspensions this
1: game. Yeah, so I think it is just managing minutes. Uh, um, you know. So I liked what they had did against, you know, um, Richmond in the weekend. So then they go back to what they've done, you know, what they were doing and they put uh white up top at the striker position. And I just didn't think he was that effective. Um, you know, a lot of their key passes came from the right side as they normally do, but they were on corner kicks, right? They were on, it wasn't really open play. You didn't really see that flow. Um, Carter Manley for one of the few times his average positioning was actually in his own half, like most defenders are. And, you know, right. so you see that. And yeah, I just think that they, you know, Ford wasn't playing their game. And, and props to Greenville, too. You know what I really liked, and I think it was his first start with them, uh, Joshua Donnelly. You know, he wasn't winning his duels, he was, but he was very involved in he took a he wasn't afraid to shoot, which is what Greenville needs. Um, so he had one from that he blasted that almost went in. It was a great save from Silvestre. Uh, he had two on target. He created a chance. Uh, he was involved defensively. Um, and like I said, even though he was fouling a lot, it wasn't really winning his duels. He was someone to where you know Ford had to start paying attention to him and start kind of man marking him, and it allowed Bermudez to have space. It allowed Keegan to have space, and so uh you know I don't know if he's their answer but when you have more than one person that is aggressive and can score all of a sudden it looks like oh okay wow like maybe this is something that can actually work out maybe you know we should have two two strikers up top
0: or maybe that's yeah that that's an answer for instead of Gomez or um or Saul right yeah those are those are kind of the other two options to be up front with uh with Keegan yeah because
1: Keegan was still the highest up the field but um an average position, but, uh, you know, Donnelly was right behind him. And, uh, I think that works perfect. I think whether it's Keegan drifting and taking space for Donnelly to shoot, or if it's Donnelly coming in and taking up, you know, um, making the defense focus on him, allowing Keegan to get some space for through balls and passes or a header from across. Um, I think it worked really well for them. Yeah. So so
0: as we mentioned JJ Donnelly we talked about him if it wasn't last week it was a week before um, you know another signing kind of to fill out the roster because Greenville is going to have to be thinking at this point you know if they're going to make a playoff run it's now or never. I mean, really, yeah. get, it really is, right? Five matches left, yeah. I think, for, yeah. for, for them. He, he just got to
1: win the ball because he... <laughs> he yeah. wasn't Well, was without
0: a, without fouling, yeah.
1: yeah. Did he actually get a he, card?
0: He, I don't recall if he got a card. In I don't game, think but, he
1: did. No, yeah, I think he's... Yeah, but it he, seemed, he... It seemed like you probably should have for persistent infringement. He, yeah, he was... I think he, he was involved in about... Uh, Thirty something duels and probably only <laughs> won about five of them. <laughs> so yeah, what it wasn't it wasn't? But the but the idea is he he does you know control. He does take that kind of all right. We have to pay attention to him because he is a good striker and he's shown that by putting those goals on target and you know one that looked like it was going to be a screamer from outside that Silvestre had to dive for. So you know at, at Greenville might have found something to. If that that might put them over, right? If that's enough yeah. for them to win two of the games that they would have had a draw instead, that could be enough to get them in the playoffs. We'll have to see.
0: It certainly could because uh and the points per game standings right now. Uh North Texas still at the top at uh 1.91 points per game. But uh, you know, Lansing and Greenville and Chattanooga right now are um you know second through fourth in terms of points per game. And you know, Lansing Lansing actually is in pretty good shape. Uh, If Lansing scores, uh, you know, probably three more wins, they should they should make the playoffs without too much difficulty, just given where all the rest of the teams are. Uh, Greenville and Chattanooga, Madison and South Georgia, they're all right there. They're all yep. basically basically three through six right now is still incredibly tight. Um, you know, Greenville jumped Madison because of, because of this match, um, but you know, Greenville loses their next match, Madison wins, and they're basically tied. So
1: And I asked on Twitter today, did a poll, with that road win, do you think Greenville are in the playoffs? Are they, are they a solidified playoff team? So right now, fifty-one percent say yes, forty-nine percent say no. At fifty-something votes, Ira, what do you think? I think.
0: Oh, you're recording this now. You get this phone up. No, I I, I think I think. Jeez, it's so close between all these teams. I I think Greenville has to be consistent in order to make it. I I voted yes. Um, but you know, at the same time, it's it's not obvious. Th- depending on strength of schedule and things like that, for the down the stretch, that they to, that they'll make to it.
1: Me, it's going to come down to one specific week. And this is, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm a Greenville fan, I might start writing letters to the to the head office, the front offices of USL because this is this is horrible. So Greenville has a game Friday, September 20th, against Toronto at home, but then they have a game Tuesday at Tucson before they have to fly back home and play again not Saturday but Friday. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So and well, that's that might, that might not all be and, in,
0: that might not all be on USL. Some of that might be scheduling that right. that, no, they, that, that they that they
1: may for sure. But I'm but I'm saying three games in 7 days and you have to fly to Tucson in the middle of them that might be what makes or breaks them in the yeah. playoffs. That's a rough stretch.
0: I don't know. What, what do you think, in that kind of situation, what should Coach Harks do? I mean, go for the six points at home and basically send your reserves to Tucson? I mean, is that... Well,
1: so when you look at, when you look at what they did, Bermudez played the first half of this game, right? And then he subbed off. Um, and we Robinson didn't play at all. Saul didn't play at all. And these are players who usually play. Um mm-hmm. So I do think that that might have something to do with it, right? It's about time management, Um, and I think because of their roster and because they have such a small roster, it it was important for Hark to do that. So I think for them to get that win and be able to rest three players that normally start, uh, that's big for Greenville. But, yeah, this is going to be really testing for them because they have the smallest roster, and then they have to – play you have to do a stretch like that in a week and that's really going to test these players and that's going to be the biggest challenge that a lot of these players have ever faced in their careers honestly well the
0: good thing is they can go to uh they could go to what is it Hartfield down there in atlanta and get a direct flight to tucson so there that's the uh, that's the only <laughs> only saving grace for them perhaps so uh should we talk a little bit about team of the
1: week let's do it
0: all right. So, team of the week. So, uh, Pado was the player of the week. Uh, Lansing uh, also had Nick uh, Nick Moon and Tariq Moshibane. Um Let's see. Two, FC Tucson had Jordan Jones and uh, and Vergen. TFC two had. Uh, uh muhammad and klonofsky so Mm -hmm. yeah i mean klonofsky deserves it he made oh yeah he he made incredible saves yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) he made made some really good ones there uh cole seiler for greenville sione for chattanooga and charlie dennis for south georgia tormenta uh who would be on your bench and so so the nice part about the bench is you could also get some players in uh for the teams that didn't win but maybe had good games um so any uh, who who would be on the bench for you here, Jason?
1: Uh, yeah, so definitely Eric Leonard. Uh, I brought him up earlier. I think he's just he was phenomenal. Um, and still, number
0: sixes just don't
1: get the they don't
0: they, they don't get the credit they deserve in team of the week. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, they don't. And uh, I thought that uh, y- you know maybe it was because they're looking at. Um, you know, they don't want to put too many guys from one team. But I thought Wayland played extremely well. And granted, it is against Orlando. But I think overall, for what he did, he doesn't have stats that jumped out. But him being able to get an interception that leads to a goal, him being comfortable playing in that first game and going all the way out in midfield to defend, uh, I think he was a very solid center back. And like you said, if they keep him, I think with him and Vettner, that's going to be a, a, a ridiculous duo and two sides. And might be a scary team making trying to make a run for that fourth spot
0: yeah they could so uh you put out a twitter poll in fact about that or a, a note on twitter like who do you think w- will make it in, in what order uh, yeah. in the playoffs so um i know you and i initially had the same uh the, the same call um you know, do you want to? Should we talk about that a little bit, or should we just wait and and have that discussion no, we, as we get a little closer?
1: We can we can talk about it because I don't want everyone to say like, oh, well, now now it's been more games and points. So, listen, and this is what I've been seeing, and I've been listening to you guys while I was gone. I think y'all are sleeping on Chattanooga. I think that. You know, like I think it's going to be tough for them this weekend, and we'll talk about it because they have a couple of suspensions in the back and they're they've got to go out to uh, the West Coast. But listen, Chattanooga, they have the veterans. They have that experience, you know. Zaid, Beattie, Doyle, they all know what it's like to play in the playoffs. You look at players from Greenville. This might be some of the first times, you know, anyone's ever played, you know, professional soccer in the playoffs. This is somebody I think that with Chattanooga and because it hasn't been playing a lot, right? So they they kept his legs fresh. Um, I think that this is a team that where, when you look at their schedule, they statistically, I think, outside of Greenville, I think those two are like inch and inch of like the easiest schedule out of all the teams fighting for that playoff spot left. I think a lot of people are sleeping on them. Is it going to be pretty the way they do it? Probably not. They'll probably, like I said, get those one one-o wins, but – you know, I think because we we're looking at Lansing, who's super hot, understandably. We're looking at Greenville, who's super hot, understandably. You know, Ford when they look good, they look really good, and then sometimes you know they they falter. But I watch out. I really. I mean, they, they lost. A, I
0: mean, they lost
1: to Richmond at home like, yeah. last week, right? Our, our, so yeah, exactly. And so yeah, and so um, well, the week before, or whatever. Or two weeks, ago, yeah. Yeah, two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago. Um, but yeah, I uh. I think that Chattanooga. It, it'll be tough because, like I said, this week is going to be their toughest. If they can get through this week, even with a draw, I think Chattanooga's in. I think they get that third that third spot, and no one's really talking about that. I think you see, uh, you know, North Texas and Lansing probably in that one two, and I think Chattanooga gets that three. And then Ira, we kind of talked about it, so let's bring it up. Who do you think gets that fourth spot?
0: Yeah, I think just based on the fact that they play most of their game, I think they only have one more away game. I think FC Tucson has a good shot and I think that's particularly true if they take this one from Chattanooga, right? Yep. Because then what happens? This is six, this is literally a 6-point game and two, Tucson and Chattanooga would be tied in points per game effectively. Um so it would so I think if Tucson goes on a run and wins say four of their next five, Uh, the likelihood of them making the playoffs might be pretty high. Uh, So that's – it, but then again you know who knows right because the, the fact is is that tormenta you know if, if those guys turn it around too right we know that they have the talent too the question is you know will they tactically get things right um it, it's yeah. such an exciting title race i mean you know people it poo-poo the playoffs all the time <laughs> but i have to say you know just fighting for the line when you have a fight like this is is super exciting
1: listen if it comes down to that last game, Greenville, and Tormenta, and South Georgia for that fourth spot. Oh my God! It's completely you wanna, possible. You you want to talk about? Listen, I know a lot of a lot of fans talk about how the league wants to push rivalries. You, that happens. It's over. It is oh, absolutely yeah. over. That oh, is that, that, that is that's the a rivalry biggest of rivalry. Yeah, that's yeah. a rivalry, and you just you can't say anything about that. That would be absolutely beautiful. But yeah. Like, we we can talk about it now if you want to and get into the games this week. Friday, you know, Tucson and Chattanooga. Chattanooga goes out west. They're without um, Leo, and, and, yep. and, uh, Leo Zagora. and
0: Zagoro. Yep. Yep. They're both and,
1: uh, suspended on yellow card accumulation. And that's huge. Um, and so, uh, you know, let me ask this. If Chattanooga doesn't win this game, do they make the playoffs? Or is this they have to win this? It's whoever wins this game is in.
0: I'm not sure that this week is a must win for everyone else, but it certainly makes it harder, right? Just because now you now you have a little less wiggle room. So I agree with you. Like a draw away against Tucson is fine for Chattanooga. Right. That makes it much more difficult for Tucson. Now, if right? because- Tucson
1: loses, though— If Tucson
0: loses, then I think I think they're basically out. Yeah, because they would have to win out and get help. They they'd be in the situation Richmond's in right now. So,
1: okay,
0: yeah. I mean, and I like FC Tucson. I mean, I think that they have a good squad. And I mean, I don't personally love their style of play, but it's effective, right? I mean, you could say that. You know, you say that about Leicester City a few years ago too, right? Like, (laughs) but it's it's effective in in scoring goals and and it plays to their strengths too, right? Where it's very physical and speed.
1: Tucson, if there was ever a time to adopt a dollar beer night, it's now. It's now. I know you guys do the five-hour margaritas. That's cool. But listen, the playoffs are on the line. Let's get some dollar beers going.
0: You know, and Tucson has has an advantage, I think, over some of the other two teams. Cause, and we forget, I think, partially that Tucson is a two-team, right? And it is. Um, but they also have – they seem to have better crowds, right? Like at least they're noisier crowds. Like they might, yeah. might only be 1,000 or 1,200 people or something, but they're noisy. So it, there definitely is a bit of a home field advantage, I think, that they, they have, besides the fact that everyone has to travel. I was going to say in-
1: – And also the fact that people don't have to – they don't have to travel 900 miles to go play them.
0: (laughs) That's right, yeah. So – and then Saturday is South Georgia Tormenta Richmond, which obviously – you know, South Georgia has to save serve. Otherwise – I was going to say, you're saying
1: that this week isn't must-win. I see two must-wins right now for Tucson and Tormenta. I feel like if they don't win this weekend – uh, it's trouble. And I mean, like, it doesn't mean they're out, obviously, mathematically and whatever fancy science that you want to believe in, but it's going to be tough. uh you, you mean especially. Yeah. <laughs> fancy science, It's going to be, it's going to be tough, uh, especially for Tormenta because I, we were talking about what Chattanooga's and Greenville schedule being on the easier end. Tormenta easily has the toughest one. Um, so they definitely need to pick up points where they should. And they're at they home. Have to, playing. They
0: have to, play north texas again
1: i think they have to play him twice Twice. or or they played him once they have to play him again yeah so they have to play him again yep they have to play north texas and lansing again yeah so those are yeah
0: yeah south georgia you got to step it up and now's the time. And then a game that doesn't matter that much for at least for the top of the table is uh, North Texas on Sunday North Texas versus TFC2 in uh, in North Texas. So over in, out in Frisco, Texas. Um, you know North Texas gets a fair number of fans by the way, but I think the fact that they play in the MLS stadium just makes it seem like there's no one there. Right? right? I mean it's like when when the Red Bulls 2 used to play at Red Bull Arena, you know, they they'd be like a thousand or people there 800 people there but you'd never know it because you know they were spread out <laughs> among a 25,000 person stadium so shall we get the fan questions let's do it all right so first let me ask a question from Weston Shelton who is the host of the Capital Combustion podcast up in Lansing also a sometime substitute for Jason on League One <laughs> Fun uh he asks if we were to separate all the teams in the league into tiers, and we were kind of doing this in a way already right now, how would we divide them? Um, so, I guess you have to. You, there's kind of two ways to do this, right? Like, like recent form, right? Recent mm-hmm. form would be one. Uh, another would be, you know, just where you want in the playoffs, right? So you could put North Texas and Lansing at. One, two, and then you have kind of the the playoff fighters. so that would be Greenville, Chattanooga, Madison, South Georgia, and Tucson. And then basically the, the teams that are you know bottom of the table, right, which would be TFC2, <laughs> Richmond, and OCB.
1: It's funny because Tucson is one of those ones I I can literally put in every one of those tiers. You just, I just don't know what I'm going to get with them. I think like when they're playing their counter and they're like, they're, they could compete with North Texas. And then sometimes when it's not working, I think that, yeah, like Richmond could dominate against them. So, um, but yeah, I agree. I think it's, I think right now it's North Texas and Lansing versus everybody else. Um, and I do think, you know, Tormenta, Greenville, um, and Ford are in a tier, and then, like, Tucson on that bubble. Chattanooga, I think, is on that bubble just because the way they win is so on the fence, too. Like like I said, they either win 1-0 or they lose 0-3. It can go sour quick. So, yeah, I would say Tier 1, North Texas Lansing, Tier 2, Ford, Greenville, Tormenta, Tier 3, Tucson, Chattanooga – and then yeah, you got the uh you got the rest of the crew. He the, the,
0: the also rants. Yeah. So on form though, like if you were to do it on form, then oh, Lansing, Lansing yeah. would be it, number one. And I, Greenville, number two. I mean Greenville yeah. if Greenville has, rankings yeah, Greenville is uh except maybe not they have three athlete. win three three wins of the last five yeah. and uh and then two draws. So they're you know, they they've you know, they haven't lost in what seven weeks, right? Yeah. So yeah. Um so so Greenville's been in quite a run. And and that's what happens, right? You get you get hot at the right time. And I think like if I had a I'd, I'd say that, that Lansing uh, right now i would probably say might be the i don't want to say the favorites but if if i had to pick a team that wasn't north texas to win then i'd say you know lansing has to I be up there you and, and you mentioned you mentioned it before as well like like lansing stacks up nicely against uh north texas and and even not just because of the one result that happened this week it just mm-hmm. just their style of play is something that um that. as long as they stay healthy, that yep. they can, they can do as, very well.
1: And as long as they they don't make, you know, as long as they're not punching people in the face, you know, Kofik and Stoneman are, you know, when you look at the stats, they're the second best duo when it comes to clearances and tackles in the whole league. They're killing it. And so we talk about Lansing's offense all the time. They've been holding it down from the back. And then, you know, when you look up and you've got Serta and Gomez back there, you know, they're killing it too. So it's going to be tough to really break down Lansing. Like I said, if you're a betting man like me, I am a firm believer taking a team that is hot going into the playoffs. And right now they're the hottest team. Yeah. Uh, you had some other questions. So why don't you do go too. for one of them? So uh, Brandon esque from, Twi- or from uh, Reddit has asked us, so we were just talking about this, yeah, is Tucson's going to make the playoffs. So he asked, does Tucson managed to squeeze in the playoffs? But the more interesting question of this is, if so, which team do they displace? Is it going to be Greenville, Madison? Who do you think, if they do make in the playoffs, whose spot are they taking?
0: Ooh. Uh, I'm gonna guess greenville just because i i don't trust greenville's attack
1: okay so who's your okay so who you're for you've got north texas and lansing as your one and two i'm assuming
0: yeah and then i had
1: chattanooga tucson right okay isn't that who i said yeah so so we're pretty much the same except i'm not a hundred percent on that tucson but (laughs) oh yeah Yeah.
0: i I mean i think i put tucson too because you know when when you do those kind of betting things you know you always have to pick like some one that People right aren't gonna pick right otherwise you have yeah no chance to exactly win, you gotta you gotta win
1: big on the parlays you can't yeah, just, exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly so okay, all right yeah. so greenville i agree with you i think it's green i think right now it's Greenville's to lose i think greenville goes in there and they take care of business they might even get a third seed um but it's it's for them to lose yeah don't disagree at all.
0: Okay, so I had, we had another question from Twitter with TFC two in D three. Is that formerly the Canadian soccer dude? It or is. is okay, uh, he asks if the independent teams made a pact to do everything necessary to stop the championship from taking place at an empty Toyota Stadium. Wow. Would the panel object? I'm guessing the panel means you and me. And
1: uh, I, I mean, yeah, I don't object. I
0: I kind of object because i mean the, the the benefit from winning yeah from doing the best in the regular season right winning you know what would be called the supporter shield in mls the benefit is getting home field advantage so you if you take away that incentive then you know then you're, you're gonna fight to be in second right
1: <laughs> but how, you're not how, gonna care how big is their training facility <laughs>
0: Oh well, well yeah. I mean, I mean that's that's the thing. Like, like if you go to a place like right, uh, I, that's all I'm saying. It's just like, like, like two or even even where OCB plays in that park. Like, if if they got the same number of fans, it would be pretty
1: happy. That's what, so. Them, so right? That's what I'm like, saying. Like, I I I hundred percent agree with you. Like, North Texas deserves to have their home field. It's just that obviously it's the inaugural USL League One Cup and. You just want to see the excitement and all the people, and if even if there are thousand, two thousand people, right? That's absolutely great, but it's not going to look that great on television. And also, if that's the one game that a casual fan is going to watch just to see what the level of competition is for this league. It's not a good look when you know they just see more empty seats than they do people.
0: That's fair, but you know, what if Tucson beats North Texas in the uh, first round of the first round uh, of the playoffs? You so know? that's funny. so then.
1: That, and it's Lansing,
0: and then it's Lansing, Chattanooga. Lansing yep. wins, and we wind up in a baseball stadium. That's Is funny that
1: you, you bring that up, though, <laughs> uh, because uh, the next question comes from the Quirks. Uh, uh, interesting name uh, from from Reddit, and he says, assuming the playoffs, or he or she, we're not going to assume, uh, assuming the playoffs will be one knockout game, which they are. Which potential playoff matchup would you want to see the most? And which team's playing styles gives them the advantage in this format?
0: Well, I I think teams that are defensive really benefit from this format because not being scored on is so vital in a one-off. Right. So, I mean, like any cup competition, it's the, the same way. Right. right.
1: You think Greenville gets in the playoffs, they're the one that benefit the most from this format? I, them or
0: Lansing. I mean, because Lansing, they, they play the they play the press, but they also play very compact. And that's what you saw against North Texas this week, right? right. How compact they are able to get. And it's that compactness and being able to block shots and not allow high quality chances regularly, which is really what they've done over the last six, seven weeks and, and during this run. I, I think this plays mostly to Lansing, but yeah, I think Greenville as well. like it it plays it plays to them too. I would have said South Georgia before this past month, yeah, as well also. so
1: yeah, um, I so I think I think the one thing um hesitant about Lansing, though is because, like you said, this is about not getting scored on. Do they press as much as they do, right? It's one of those things where if they press and they go down early, then they're just gonna to have to keep pressing and they're gonna open up that floodgates to where they're either gonna come back or they're gonna lose, like they and that's what kind of happens well, in right? then they, they're
0: then they're gonna be the Red Bulls against Atlanta United last year when the Red Bulls didn't press Atlanta in the first round of the you know, first game of the
1: playoffs. Yeah, in, in the and MLS then they, Cup. And, they, and then they and lost they, they yeah. lost
0: three 0 Yeah. No, wow. you have to you have to stick to your system.
1: Yeah, yeah. stick and to your system. We won the Eastern Conference trophy. Oh yeah. Stop, stop. yeah. yeah. Then we went okay. on one yeah, okay, I remember that. That sounds that's you're right. Yeah. Learn hey, learn from look, the, I'm, the, I'm the I'm case.
0: I'm very analytical <laughs> about these things. I was very upset, but I wasn't <laughs> upset that Atlanta won. I was upset that the Red Bulls changed the way that they played for that one game when they shouldn't have. Okay. Um, so uh, so anyway, was that the did you have any thoughts about that? Like which team do you think would benefit from this one off playoff format format?
1: Uh I think so here's how I look at it. When you go into the playoffs, you have to make a decision. Are you going to play the way you normally play or not? So I think with teams like Tucson, they kind of don't have anything to lose because they're a countering team. So it's one of those things that's like, yeah, we can play the exact same way we've always played. We don't have to play more defensively or anything. Um, but then I do think because of that, it's easy for, play, for teams to go, okay, well, here's the ball. What are you going to do with it? And I think that's that's what people have been doing the Greenville too, right? Look at what Toronto did. Toronto gave right. Greenville the ball. Greenville had possession of like 65% or something. And, yeah, it just – they couldn't do anything with it. So I do think that's a little thing. So I, if you really want to be honest, who I think is the best format is Chattanooga because they've just – They play this way to where they they know their style. They know what they're going to do. They play defensively. They tire you out. And then they score at the last minute. And I think that's the perfect format for the playoff, right? You just tire teams out. You allow them to attack. And then it's just like, all right, now we're going to have, you know, Panea just have a perfect long pass as a girl, have a perfect long pass. And Zaid's going to head it in after he subs in in the 88th minute. So. (laughs) yeah, I, I no, yeah, I, I mean they'll, I they'll think be, if Chattanooga gets in the playoffs, they're in
0: really good shape. Well, who do who do we think is the best at penalties at kicks from the penalty mark? Because technically that's what they're called by the way. Uh, mm. so. Kicks from the penalty mark because that might Lance, matter.
1: Lansing Lansing, Lansing. Yeah. I, they just have too many good offensive players. You're talking, you know N4, Toomey, Rafa, Nick Moon. Pato, Pato's probably one of the best, if not the best, penalty takers in the league. And then you can bring off Celso in the bench if you want to make a sub to bring in your best penalty taker. it's just they have too many good offensive players. I'm sure Xavier Gomez can kick a good penalty kick too. I'm sure Koifik, Stone, like they're great passers. So why not? Yeah, I would. I think that Lansing would be the team you don't want to go uh, into PKs against. Yeah. So uh,
0: and and obviously a team like Greenville, if it goes into extra time, might be yeah uh, at a detriment just because if they have a lot of guys with a lot of miles in their legs from the season they might actually be
1: that might be detrimental for them if they go into extra time right and then we've got one more question from anonymous who is the most important player for the month of September in USL League one that's a very interesting question I will answer to give you time because since I saw the question had time to think about it and since I was just talking about them, I think it's Alex Mangels. Oh, interesting for Chattanooga. Yeah, just to keep the ball out of the net for them. If, if he continues to, he has the most saves in the league, and if he continues to do it and gives them those opportunities to get those 1-0 wins, I think that's what gets them in. If he – you know, if, if Chattanooga – if you score two goals against Chattanooga – it, they're probably not getting points even if they draw that's not good enough this late into the season So I think it's a lot of it's going to come on his shoulders And when we talk about you know friday when they're going to be missing two of their defenders It's even going to be you know on his shoulders even more So that's who i'm looking at as uh the most important player
0: so You know, I, I don't know if you can say there's only one but i'm going to go With just because if south georgia Tormenta is going to make the playoffs gomez has to uh, he has to play even way better than he has the last couple of games. I mean, he, he had a lot of chances this past week, but he has to be more clinical. He has to create higher quality chances. He has to, you know, get the ball to Charlie Dennis and, and, you know, really, I think he has to control the midfield, especially without Lucas Coutinho, right? If Lucas Coutinho was still there, I would say that, you know, maybe I would pick someone else, like, you know, maybe someone on forward, for example, maybe it would be like an Eric Leonard, um, you know, if if forward was going to have a chance to make the playoffs. But I think at this point, especially because of injuries, that if South Georgia is going to do its thing, then then Gomez for them has to really step it up and, and be an offensive threat.
1: And so they're in fourth place right now. Uh, so are you out on Ford? I know, like we we've been talking about all these other teams, and we talked about Ford and how you know at least I yeah. really like the way they play against Richmond. Are you are you out I just on think, them and I why? Just, if you are, I, I just think that they're not consistent
0: enough. Right. Okay. So so the the thing is, if they go 500 the rest of the season, they don't make the playoffs. It's that simple. They can't go 500. They have to win 75% of their games. They, yep. I mean, they, they're in fifth place on points points per game, right? So they are right there. If you know they win and Chattanooga loses, then they're they're in fourth. They're right. They'd be right behind Greenville in that situation. Like like when I say right behind, I mean like a virtual tie. Yeah. Um, so you know, so yes, they have a chance, but. I mean, they're so inconsistent, even at home. Yeah. Like, they're not even consistent at home. They, uh, I had, don't have the stats in front of me, but I would guess that they're probably in the middle when it comes to home record. Um, you know, we, we, I'm sure we can check that pretty easily. But um,
1: They are 6-4-2
0: at home. Yeah. I mean, yeah. okay, they have a winning record at home, but, you know, a lot of other teams only have two or three losses. Like, the, te- the teams yeah. in front of them have better home records.
1: And I will say their schedule um, it's not easy. So they've got Tormenta on the 7th. They've got uh, Richmond after that in Richmond. Um, Henny Cup, you know, game three, winner (laughs) takes all. And they've got North Texas, Tucson, and close the year out against Lansing. So – well, I it's mean, at the, at the end of
0: the day, at the the end of the day, if they beat the other playoff teams in that yep. group, then so they, that's then the they can do it. They have they to beat can, them, though. Yep. Those are all six-point games. It.
1: I wonder yeah. – huh. <laughs> well, maybe we'll talk about this in a future show. If you're Lansing and you know you can't get first place because of points and you've pretty much solidified second, are you resting everyone in that Madison game? Ooh. Granted, it's supposed to be a rivalry match. They're coming in. I know Ford has a bunch of fans getting on buses for that game but do, do you rest your starters for that game? I don't know they actually have they actually
0: have a game to give right now um, so maybe, yeah maybe you rotate a few guys in right yep. and and if you need to put them in to get a goal late, you can put them in for the last 20 or 30 minutes right something like that.
1: We'll we'll see what the standings looks like, but let's just uh, keep well, you'll the well. You see, you'll out.
0: see if it, well, well, you know they're doing that if Roth is not playing, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> if Roth is on the bench, then then you're saying okay, they're they're managing minutes here for for the stretch. So, <laughs> so Jason, where can people connect with you?
1: People can find me at Home Sweet Soccer, uh, or if you're in Japan, you can find me uh, there from September 10th to 17th. I'll also be and uh vegas to miami next week i'll be in vegas the fourth or the seventh uh and then i'll be in miami the eighth and ninth so yeah let's uh, get together and uh you can tell me your horrible takes in soccer and i'll tell you why you're wrong you've got a lot
0: of frequent flyer miles building up <laughs> in that account i can be found at ira jersey on twitter and you can connect with the show at league one fun that's league the number one and fun Thank you for listening. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts, and check out bgn.fm for other great soccer podcasts and written content, including a recent piece that I did on what it takes to own a USL team. It was and fun. I like. So, I
1: really liked it.
0: Yeah. So what we did was I, I, there were some questions about like you know what it, are the requirements for new leagues? We have NISA coming in, and 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 um, and uh, NPSL Pro. So the question that that I kept on getting was. What do you have to do to own a team? What are the stadium requirements? All of these things. So, um, so I dug into both the U.S. soccer rules as well as the MLS and USL rules. And you know, NISA and and MPSL Pro haven't come out with with their league rules, but presumably, since they've asked for Division Three sanctioning, it's very similar to the U.S. soccer uh, Division Three sanctioning. One of the things that came out of it that I thought was interesting was USL for both USL Championship and USL League One have stricter and uh, requirements than uh, US soccer requires. And I think one of the things that I also found from talking to a few people— In some of the some of the teams is that they want to have 5000 person stadiums and the reason why they want to have 5000 person stadiums like, you know, Madison's an interesting example, right? They have a stadium that seats like 4800. I'm sure you can figure out a place to put 200 seats somewhere around the field uh, to to get up to the 5000. Because that's what Division Two sanctioning need, requires. Mm-hmm. So if you're thinking about pro rel between USL League One and USL Championship, um, you need to have 5,000 seat stadiums in order to qualify. So maybe you could have pro rel, but let's say that someone doesn't have a soccer-specific stadium that only seats 3,000, then they say, "Okay, I'm not. We're not going to go up because we don't qualify under." u.s soccer standards so then maybe the next team goes up that does fit those requirements so and i think I, that's
1: I what Tor- i think that's what Tormenta's is doing with their new stadium right i think it's a five thousand. it's seat. A
0: exactly five thousand seat and i think yeah. that that's that's very smart of them to do because if if they have the investment and they're good enough then you know even if even if there's not direct pro rail they could still maybe apply i mean uh, usl wants there to be bigger stadia in usl championship and to be in larger markets but um, you know one one way to get pro though if but if pro ever does happen I think people want to be prepared for it. Yep. um, So anyway, BGN.FM, that's where you can get a whole bunch of podcasts, including Weston Shelton, our own podcast, uh, and uh, Capital Combustion. um, New podcasts cropping up there all the time, uh, well worth a a peruse around there. Also, thanks to Roughneck Scarves, our sponsor, the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and US Soccer, and the just kicked off NCAA. Get your custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. And until next time... Hashtag support local soccer. Do I'm glad
1: you're back. Are you? I am. Most other people aren't. But I'll, I'll never forgive you for not letting me say Ira, take it away. Ever. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I hope one day you'll forgive me.
1: Never.